Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. Television was important to me as a kid. It still kind of is important to me as an adult, not as much as when I was a kid. I was probably into television because I was inside a lot as a kid, and I had family members who were very much into television, namely my one sister. She watched TV all the time, loved it. She still does. My sisters are a bit older than me, and things they did didn't always register with me in the way that they would with someone who was of their age. So the sister, who was a big fan of television, liked to cut out photos from magazines and she would get a bunch of these TV magazines, even TV guides of the men that she liked on TV and she would put them on her wall and it wasn't a huge shrine but it was there and I would see it all the time and think that's a great idea. What didn't occur to me was that she was doing this because she, in addition to I assume enjoying these shows, also thought these men were handsome. Me, I only cut out stuff of people whose show I liked or who I thought were funny or entertaining. Now, I started going through her magazines looking for things she hadn't cut out, of people who I enjoyed. And two of the people who I thought were very funny on television were John Ritter, who was on Three's Company as Jack Tripper, and Jim J. Bullock, who played Monroe Ficus on Too Close for Comfort. So I cut their photo out and I hung them on my wall. Now, I'm not saying my family weren't progressive, but this was years back, and my grandmother, who spent a lot of time with us, would often come into my room, straighten up, stuff like that, and she spotted these photos that I was cutting out of all these young men, and she thought it was curious. My grandmother was a bit older, had different ideas about what should hang on a young man's wall, and took the clippings down. Now, I remember this because she didn't want to say why she took the photos down. Instead, she made it about hanging anything on the wall. It was unusual, but the effect of that was that while all my friends were hanging up posters and my sisters had all these things, I thought my walls, which were made of a dark paneling as opposed to my sister's light paneling, was very valuable wood. And it was years before I could bring myself to put a thumbtack into the wall again. I had been so assured by her that it would damage the value of the house. Now, this would all become knowledge to me when I had a conversation about it with my mother a couple of years ago, asking her why did my grandmother think that the walls of my room were so valuable, and she just started laughing. She thought it was the funniest thing in the world. On today's show, we're going to talk about Too Close for Comfort, the show that featured one of the members of my shrine, Jim J. Bullock. We're going to talk about the cast, plot, the production, its strange jump, between channels, where you can get the show today, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. Vic joins us this week with another Why Should I Know This Person. Doug is back with another Also Ran, and Metagirl is here with another great Top 5 list. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Too Close for Comfort was a television sitcom that ran from November 11th, 1980 to September 27th, 1986. And it was modeled after a British series, like so many great other American series, called Keep It in the Family. Keep It in the Family ran for five seasons between 1980 and 1983, and it was about a cartoonist named Dudley Rush, his wife Muriel, and their two daughters, Jackie and Susan. It was made by Thames Television for the ITV network. In 1980, there was a writer's strike, and Too Close for Comfort didn't premiere until November because of the delay. There's a lot of people who might think that it was a mid-season replacement or that it was brought in just by reading that, but in fact, it was just because of the writer's strike that year. Now a little bit about the cast before we go into the plot. Ted Knight played Henry Rush, who was the cartoonist of Cosmic Cow. Ted Knight passed away in 1986. Hard to believe it was so long ago. Was an American actor, probably best known for his role as Ted Baxter on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Judge Smales on Caddyshack. And of course as Henry, as opposed to Dudley Rush, on Too Close for Comfort. He would become famous on the show for wearing different sweatshirts of universities. And he did this because his character had never gone to college. There's a fun episode where he gets the idea that by donating his back catalog of Cosmic Cow that he can get an honorary degree. Eventually, fans of the show would send sweatshirts from their colleges and universities hoping that he would wear them during filming. Muriel Rush, his wife, was played by Nancy Dussault. She was a regular on the 1970s new Dick Van Dyke show and was the first anchor of Good Morning America with David Hartman back in 1975. She's probably best known to audiences, or at least people who watch reruns, as Muriel in Too Close for Comfort. Deborah Van Valkenburg played Jackie Rush, the eldest daughter of Henry and Muriel. While she might be best known for her work on Too Close for Comfort, she also had a role in the 1979 film The Warriors, and in 1984, Streets of Fire. Lydia Cornell played Sarah Rush, the blonder and younger daughter. Besides working in Too Close for Comfort, which was her first television role, she's worked in a lot of things and is still working today. Jim J. Bullock played Monroe Ficus, kind of the Gilligan meets Jack Tripper character of the show, certainly a breakout star from the show. He would become a regular on John Davidson's version of the Hollywood Squares from 1986 to 1989, and even got to host the show on occasion. If you're an ALF fan, you might remember that he had a semi-recurring role as Neil Tanner. Hamilton Camp played Arthur Wainwright, Henry's boss in the second season of the show. I want to mention him because he was also the voice of Fenton Crackshell, also known as Gizmo Duck on DuckTales and Darkwing Duck. Gina Freeman would play April Rush, who was Henry and Muriel's niece from 1981 to 1982. Audrey Meadows, who probably is best known as Alice Cramden from the iconic television show The Honeymooners, played Iris Martin, Muriel's mother. In the 83-84 season, Henry and Muriel had a baby son named Andrew, and Andrew was played by William and Michael Cannon. Now, with a little bit more information on Deborah Van Valkenburg is Vic Sage with another Why Should I Know This Person? Hi friends, Vic Sage here with another installment of Why Should I Know This Person? And this week we are shining the spotlight on Deborah Van Valkenburg. Born on August 29, 1952, 
in New York. Deborah began acting on Broadway. Her first role was appearing in the play Hair. Deborah also has appeared in numerous off-Broadway productions, such as The Tempest and Six Characters in Search of an Author. Deborah has the distinction of studying acting with William Esper and John Shea, as well as puppet production with none other than Jim Henson. Deborah's first theatrical role came in 1979 when she won the role of Mercy in Walter Hill's cult classic, The Warriors, where she starred alongside Michael Beck, James Remar, David Harris, and Mercedes Rule. That wasn't to be her last cult classic film. In 1984, Deborah was cast as Reva Cody in another Walter Hill-helmed film, Streets of Fire. She appeared alongside Michael Pere, Diane Lane, Rick Moranis, Amy Madigan, Bill Paxton, Robert Townsend, Lee Ving, and of course, Willem Dafoe. Deborah has also appeared in numerous TV series including Hotel, Glitter, Crime Story, Cagney and Lacey, MacGyver, Monsters, 1992's Picket Fences, Quantum Leap, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, ER, The Shield, Cold Case, Ghost Whisperer, Law and Order LA, The Event, and Castle. Deborah revisited her first theatrical role when in 2005 she did the voiceover work for her character of Mercy in Rockstar Games' video game adaptation of The Warriors. And in 2008 she appeared in Albert Kuhn's non-official sequel to Streets of Fire, entitled Road to Hell. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person, signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. So a little bit about Too Close for Comfort. Ted Knight and Nancy Dussault stars Henry and Muriel Rush. They own a two-family house in San Francisco. At the very beginning, they need to rent out the other part of the house, and instead of bringing in a new person to rent it, they rent it to their daughters, Jackie and Sarah, played by Von Balkenberg and Cornell. During that first season, a new character was introduced, Monroe Ficus, played by Jim J. Bullock. He was only supposed to appear in a single episode, but the producers liked him, so they added him as a friend of Sarah's, and he would become Henry's foil throughout the series. In the first two seasons, Selma Diamond, who you might remember from Night Court, would appear as Mildred Rafkin, who was the sister of the man who had rented the apartment that the girls are now in. Selma Diamond always delivered the goods whenever she was on. Henry is a cartoonist who draws a comic strip called Cosmic Cow. Muriel is a freelance photographer who had been a singer in her youth. Jackie worked at a bank, and Sarah was a college student. After these messages, we'll be right back. I'm here at Southgate, USA for some shoppers' candid comments. I'm going to wear this disguise so no one will recognize me. <laughs> oh, hi there. Why do you shop at Southgate, USA? Well, I like the variety of stores, then I can always find everything I need, and you're the first weirdo I've ever seen here. <laughs> it's a disguise. That's what I meant. You're the first weirdo I've ever seen here. <laughs> Boy, what a great kidder. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So long from Southgate, USA. Hi, this is Ted Knight. I'm too close for comfort. I pretend to get annoyed with Jim Bullock, but 
In real life, I like him a lot. Oh, gee, well, that's nice of you to say that, Ted. But if you ever change your mind... Well, why would I change my mind? Well, sometimes you have a tendency to. I'm not going to change my mind. Okay, but if for any reason... I'm not going to. Well, good, but in case it yeah. happens... See, some things never change. And now, back to the show. Like most sitcoms, the show evolved over the years. In season two, the show focuses on Muriel's pregnancy. At the end of that season, she would give birth to Andrew. Now in season two, they had brought a niece in. In the third season, she's gone. They bring in Audrey Meadows to play Iris Martin, Muriel's mom, who's there to take care of Andrew. This season sort of revolves around the girls and their evolving into careers. Jackie becoming a fashion designer and getting engaged. And Sarah actually becoming a weather girl at a San Francisco television station. The show did well enough, but at the end of the third season... ABC decided not to renew the show. What's interesting is that a TV station owner named Metro Media at the time was trying to expand and pick up syndicated programming. If Metro Media sounds familiar, it is because that group of stations would eventually become the Fox Broadcasting Company. When Too Close for Comfort was canceled, Metro Media decided to pick up the series and began airing all new episodes to run on stations throughout the country. And that started in April of 84, when 14 new episodes were broadcast for the show's fourth season, all including the original cast. Season 4 would largely be a continuation of Season 3, but with Monroe moving into the house finally, in the remodeled attic that had an entrance through the Rush's kitchen. The show's ratings were pretty good on Metro Media, and they ordered an additional 30 episodes, and they would continue airing up until November of 85, during the season, Joshua Goodwin would go solo, taking over the role of Andrew Rush. He's getting a little older, becoming a bit of a pain, enough so that Henry can no longer work at home. Monroe continues to be Monroe, and on the girls' front, Jackie takes a job in Italy to work on her clothing line. In late 85, the show was retooled as the Ted Knight Show. And in this show, which you shouldn't confuse with the short-lived CBS show of the same name, Jackie and Sarah are gone. Henry, Muriel, and Andrew have moved to Marin, which is north of San Francisco, and he becomes an editor of a newspaper, the Marin Bugler. Muriel joins the paper as a photographer, and Monroe, can't lose Monroe, becomes a reporter in training at the paper kind of is evolving as a character and as a person, as a little less bumbling this season. The first run of The Ted Knight Show began in April of 1986 and would run for 22 episodes. It was pretty successful and would have resumed for another season, but Ted Knight was diagnosed with colon cancer and he passed away in August of 1986 at the young age of 62. You might have seen episodes of this in syndication, the Ted Knight Show was bundled into Too Close for Comfort for reruns. But the Ted Knight Show title is pulled out and replaced with the Too Close for Comfort logo and name instead. Now the series did well when it started, but as I said, it's third season, not so good. And that's because ABC had moved the series to Thursday nights, and that was not a great night, because it was on that night that it was up with some failures that didn't help bring in any ratings. It was paired with Joni Loves Chachi, It Takes Two, and Star of the Family. You've probably only heard of Joni Loves Chachi, and maybe you've only heard of that because it's considered pretty bad. Me and my sister, we loved that show. 
now with a little bit more about what else was on at the same time as Too Close for Comfort is Doug with another also rant. Hey, I'm Doug, and this is Also Ran. What also ran in the fall of 1980 along with Too Close for Comfort? Who did Ted and the Cosmic Cow have to share the airwaves with? Well, on Tuesday night, almost nobody. Too Close for Comfort was preceded on Tuesday nights by Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and Three's Company, and was followed by Heart to Heart. But CBS was only showing The White Shadow and their Tuesday night movie, NBC was showing only Lobo and the Steve Allen Comedy Hour, so that wasn't a whole lot of competition. If you open it up to the rest of the week, though, you do see that there was some pretty significant competition out there. 1980 had shows like Archie Bunker's Place, One Day at a Time, Alice, The Jeffersons, Trapper John M.D., Chips, Little House on the Prairie, M.A.S.H., Lou Grant, That's Incredible, Eight is Enough, Taxi, Soap, Vegas, Real People, Different Strokes, The Facts of Life, Magnum P.I., Mork and Mindy, Bosom Buddies, The Waltons, Knott's Landing, Benson, The Incredible Hulk, The Dukes of Hazard, Dallas, WKRP in Cincinnati, The Love Boat, and Fantasy Island, all running in prime time. So how did Too Close for Comfort do? Not too badly. According to Wikipedia, it was in the top 20 for the year, and according to another source, it was number 17. And 17's not too bad when you're talking about being in the same company as The Duke Boys, Ponch and John, John Boy, and Lenny and Squiggy. So I'm Doug, and this has been Also Ran. Thanks, Doug. There was an attempt at a spin-off series for Too Close for Comfort called Family Business. The series was going to focus on the Garibaldi family as they attempted to run a construction business. It failed. ABC, though, would run reruns of the show during the summer of 1983. And if I remember right, they ran them in the morning, which is probably how I got exposed to them. Does this sound familiar? That is the opening theme to Too Close for Comfort, performed by Johnny Mandel. Mandel was born in 1925, composer, made some popular songs. He's worked with Count Basie, Barbara Streisand, Frank Sinatra, probably most famous for writing Suicide is Painless, which is the theme from both the movie and TV series M.A.S.H. If you've heard the theme to Too Close for Comfort, it's probably because you've watched a whole lot of episodes. Now here with the Five best episodes of Too Close for Comfort is Metagirl with another great top five list. Five, four, three, two, one. Greetings, retro fans. This is Metagirl bringing you the top five episodes of the television series Too Close for Comfort. At number five is season five, episode 13, Terms of Endangerment. Things are not what they seem when Monroe is found to be dating a much older woman named Linda. At number four is season two, episode 11, April and September. 
Henry is annoyed with April, who is spending a lot of time with her latest boyfriend. Annoyance turns to shock when he discovers that her boyfriend Don is old enough to be her father. Henry takes a strict anti-Don stance, which forces April to make a difficult decision. Number three is season one, episode 14, Huey. Henry's father, Huey, is thrown out of his nursing home when he has a romance with another resident and arrives in San Francisco to stay with Henry and his family. Meanwhile, Jackie debates over whether or not to accept a job offer in New York. At number two is season two, episode 14, Charlie's Last Hurrah. Henry and Monroe decide to get revenge on a rival cartoonist who has played one too many practical jokes on Henry. Of course, things do not go well for the duo. And the number one episode of Too Close for Comfort is Season 2, Episode 20, A Matter of Degree. Henry is mad at Sarah's decision to drop out of college to become a TV weather girl. Things escalate and she announces that she's moving out in protest. Will she stay? Will Monroe properly wallpaper the nursery? Tune in and find out. And there you have it, the Retroist's top five episodes of the television series Too Close for Comfort. Until next time, list fans, this has been Metagirl. Thanks, Metagirl. Now, it's hard to talk about episodes of the show without mentioning the very infamous episode for every man, There's Two Women, which is basically a rape episode where Monroe, Jim J. Bullock, is raped by two women who've kidnapped him. This was during the 1985 season. It is a weird episode that was for a long time not available or easy to find, but has now started showing up in the syndication package on Antenna TV. I've seen it several times since initially re-remembering this episode. It is an odd episode that deals with a serious subject in a way too light a manner, and for that reason alone is worth checking into. The show would run in syndication starting in the fall of 1986 and would continue for nearly 20 years after that. If you want to catch it in reruns now, hopefully you have Antenna TV, which is a digital broadcast network. They started airing it in January of 2011. I have not been able to stop watching it whenever I flick by it. And if you're a fan, that is probably the best way to get some of the series because the first two seasons are the only ones that are available on DVD. Season 1 was released in 2004, and Season 2 in 2005. A lot of people complained about those releases because they are pulled from the edited, syndicated versions, so there are scenes that are missing, including the final scene before each episode's closing credits. Currently, I cannot find anyone who is going to release Too Close for Comfort. So if you have Antenna TV, set those DVRs. Too Close for Comfort was quality television with some weird plots and some wacky episodes. Now, it might not be considered one of the classics of the television world. It's no Honeymooners or Seinfeld. But if you're looking for a show that's offbeat and need a change of pace, check for it on your TV schedule. If you can deal with watching some edited versions, pick up seasons one and two. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. 
The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at Peachy at Retroist.com. Thanks to Doug McCoy for another great also ran. You can find more of Doug's work at The Retroist or at his website, authordougmccoy.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. Vic Sage is always lighting up The Retroist with his posts. If you have any feedback for Vic, you can email him at VicSage at Retroist.com. Thanks to Metagirl for another great top five list. If you have any feedback on the top five list, you can email her at metagirl at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Phrase was Monroe, you idiot. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.